Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? This fine, beautiful day as opposed to yesterday. Uh, this will be my last time to preach to you as a person on staff. So you're not going to uh, get away that easy. I will still be preaching as they, uh, you know, want me to. Um, but this is my last time as a staff person here at DNC. So bittersweet, but I'll still be here. I'm around, you know, I'm still doing the cohort stuff, which, you know, Josh will talk about the info session next week. And so it's been a huge honor to serve this church and I look forward to many more years being with you. And then maybe I can really cut loose and you guys can get to know me since I'm super straight laced up here and all that good stuff. Well, we're entering into kind of the last section of our sermon series on friendship, which is really about making friends uh, with people sort of outside our close-knit church networks. So community work, whatever else. And so kind of get your minds wrapped around that thought, that idea, as you ask questions and think for the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about that. And I kind of want to introduce this, but I've been reading through the Proverbs a lot. And so I'm going to kind of um, preach in a way that, I don't know, sort of reflects proverbial wisdom or wisdom that would come from the Proverbs. I'll say, though, as a sort of primer, I guess, for this is that I'm really not that friendly a person, but I am a decent friend. So I don't know. That's kind of a t-shirt. I'm not that friendly, but I'm a decent friend. Um, it's just true. It's just kind of who I am, you know, and that's totally credit to God, not the not being friendly, <laughs> uh, but the being at least a decent friend. Because otherwise, I think as you and many of you have heard, I think I'd probably be alone on my own. And sadly and scarily enough, fine with that. Uh, so here's my proverb for you. Okay. This might make sense as time goes on. We'll see. A friendly smile hides intent. A true friend pitches his tent. And I had to capitalize pitches and tent and say it very slowly uh, just so as not to repeat a very, very awful mistake. So a friendly smile hides intent. A true friend pitches his tent. Okay, there you go. I'm not going to explain it. You just gonna have to try to figure it out because that's kind of what the Proverbs are all about. So I've got two points and I want to share just a couple Proverbs with you and then we'll take some time for questions, answers at the end. So point one, being friendly isn't the same as being a friend. Being friendly isn't the same as being a friend. Okay, I think friendly often is about presentation. It can be a little bit fake sometimes. Like sometimes we try to kind of put our first, our best foot forward and try to kind of um, frame or form how people see us. And sometimes Christians are actually the worst at this uh, because they're trying hard to present themselves in a way that's maybe attractive or um, to show how good their lives are, you know? So people are like, oh, you know, I want to come in. I want to do that. Uh, maybe just out of a sense of superiority. Whatever that is, being friendly is often about how we present ourselves, okay? Uh, and it doesn't necessarily... Uh, translate into being a good friend. Sometimes we just kind of come off too strong. Um, and, you know, now the other end of that is that we can be really those kinds of Christians who I think probably maybe we have more of. They're like, oh, we're not like all those other Christians. You've kind of gone to the other end. You're going to be like the Christian that can do all the things that Christians can't do. You're kind of like the super, you know, freedom Christian. Um, but again, that's still kind of a presentation of who we are, not really being who we are. With each other. And one of the things I want to get to in this uh, talk is the idea that the most uh, important way 
to really show people Christ is being who you authentically are uh, and being honest about who you are. Uh, it's the presentation stuff. It's all the stuff that we tend to think we need to do that really is kind of worldly wisdom and not really the wisdom uh, that comes from God above. So honesty and authenticity go way further in our relationships with people than just being nice to them, okay? Nice to them. Authenticity, honesty, way further than just being a nice, pretending like I'm a friendly person uh, when inside I'm thinking the least friendly things about this person. I used to teach sociology. I would do all these surveys at the uh, beginning of class, which I know you're super surprised by me polling everybody all the time. Um, And one of the questions I'd ask them is, what do you dislike the most in a professor? All right, rude, uh, argumentative and critical, disorganized or boring, all right? And I mean, I never got responses back that were less than 70%. Most people, 70% boring was the worst thing that they disliked in a professor. So I'm like, let's back up for a moment. You're fine if I'm rude to you, mean to you, argumentative and critical, and really disorganized as long as I'm entertaining, you're good to go. And they were like, yeah, basically. I'm like, okay, you're gonna maybe regret that at the end of the semester because I am all of those things except boring. So we'll see sort of how you feel at the end. So what is that? How does that connect? Why would that even matter? It's because for most of us, we'd rather see someone's sort of true self. And I think all of us at our kind of truest selves are at least slightly entertaining. I know most of us, like my wife, would pretend or think that they're more entertaining than others. Um, But all of us, when we're kind of honest with who we are and act out of our honesty and authenticity, are a little bit kind of entertaining. But what we don't want are all of the tropes and people presenting themselves in these sort of, you know, few ways that are about trying to impress and all that other stuff. There's entertaining quirks about uh, who we really are. And I think people want that way more than they want us to uh, try to present ourselves in a certain way. Okay? Um, So, backing up. When starting relationships, particularly with people outside of our community, it's incredibly important that you're authentic and honest. And what's weird about a lot of our relationships is we're more authentic and honest with people in our church uh, and then we are with people often outside. And I would say that there should be the same level of authenticity and honesty in those friendships. We shouldn't sort of pick one or the other because the relationships in the church are safer for us to be authentic and honest. Uh, I think that uh, gets us into some trouble, and I'll make sense of this uh, in a moment. Uh, so why is it that people love entertainment so much? Well, I mentioned one thing is that I think um, people, um, you know, sort of want to kind of get outside of themselves. They want to know and be known. Um, I think some of us, we tend to think of entertainment as this like bad thing that, you know, you're going and watching a lot of movies so you can escape from the world. What if entertainment isn't as bad as we think it is? I'm watching, I binge watched a number of shows over Thanksgiving a bunch of shows that are kind of foreign because I'm super smart and cool. But one that you all, plebeians might know, uh, is Only Murders in the House. My wife and I, Only Murders in the Building, whatever. Yes, whatever. Uh, and my wife and I started watching that. And it's kind of a cool mix of funny, weird, quirky, but has a little bit of good social commentary. And one of the ones in this last episode was people are much more interested in investigating others, other people's secrets because they don't want to have to investigate their own. And uh, that line kind of hit me, because I think it's so true of relationships and friendships, is we're much more interested in kind of watching stuff on TV, letting things unravel, seeing the truth about people, rather than sort of dealing with our own truth. And this puts up a huge obstacle for us in making friends 
uh, with other people. So you have a really tough time being honest and authentic. But uh, that's super, I think what a lot of starting friendships is about, is starting from the first, uh, being someone who's really open, authentic about how you're feeling, who you are, and, uh, and letting people sort of see your secrets. But, you know, not, not too many secrets here, okay? We're not, uh, you know, I, I was set, uh, well, not really next to you, because he was more like one and a half of his seats, and I was half of my seat, a very large man who sat next to me in a plane going to Philadelphia. And initially, I was really, really, really upset about it and kind of wanted to switch with my wife. But this was a really, really sweet guy. I hate talking to people on planes because I'm like, this is going to go nowhere. Uh, I'm never going to like be their friend. This is like not an efficient relationship that's ever going to happen. I just want to rest. And this guy started talking to me about how he's, you know, down here because his wife kicked him out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, um, what do I do? And, you know, I use this example because I think it sort of shows a mix of how hard it is and stressful it is sometimes to um, take the opportunities that God gives us and actually follow through with them. Because I talked to this guy for about 10 minutes and the conversation naturally got to a point where it was like he was ready to like take advice. And I'm like, okay, I'm half your age. I have no kids. I don't have really any good advice for you. So I was just like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm gonna pray for you. Uh, and didn't do it in front of him, just did it in my head, and that was the end of the conversation <laughs> because I didn't want to continue talking about it, right? Um, so this is an example of two things, really. One is of someone who's oversharing their secrets. We've got to be careful about that, there's no doubt. Uh, but also taking opportunity to engage in peop- uh, with people uh, wherever we are, even if that's not the most comfortable thing uh, for us. I certainly didn't want to have this conversation, and yet at the end of the conversation, um, it, I just sort of forgot that this man's half of his body was on top of my body. Um, there was something about us kind of connecting uh, that made this experience a whole lot more palatable. I, I'm telling you guys, I, the kind of fuming that I was doing when I sat down, at, when he came to sit down in his seat, I was so upset trying to look anywhere I could on the plane to move. And this was a great example of, of God, you know, working anyway. So anyway, people want to know, they want to be known, okay, for who they are. So we often have to let, you know, model that um, by cutting through all the pretense. And I think that's what so much of starting new friendships is about, is cutting through all the pretense. Um, and, you know, being really honest and open with people and sort of setting the model for that. I've got two Proverbs that uh, I want to mention. Proverbs 24, 26, and 27, um, 6. Reading the Proverbs is very difficult. It's incredibly difficult to have a quiet time thinking through the Proverbs, but I'm really challenging myself because I decided that I need more wisdom in my life. Um, But here's Proverbs 24 and verse 26. Just says, an honest answer is the sign of true friendship. Okay? 27 in verse 6, a friend means well, even when he hurts you, but when an enemy puts his hand around your shoulder, watch out. Okay. So, point one. Being friendly isn't the same as being a friend. We've got to get past pretense, be honest and open, model that for people, um, and that's incredibly important if we're going to, uh, to be friends. Point two, which is sort of unrelated, because I thought about just two things that I could add to this conversation. And we've mentioned this before, but I want to break this down a little bit more. Number two is always leave room for making new friends. Always leave room for making new friends. This is what's hard for a lot of us in a community where we have so many friendships, friendships with people from other churches, friendships with people all around, always leave room for making new friendships and relationships. And there's always a risk in that. And there's always, it's kind of challenging. Most of us probably, if we're honest, 
uh, with the exception of maybe my mom, don't just naturally want to have new friends. Unless we already don't have enough friends, then sure, we're welcoming new friends. But I think a lot of us get to a point where we're sort of saturated with relationships and we just don't leave room open uh, you know, uh, for more friendships. So I really hate this advice, okay? Because as an antisocial introvert, the thought of doing, making new friends, being in an environment where I have to make new friends is really tough for me. Um, I hate group kind of environments just all together. Most of you know that because you don't see me really at any group gatherings. Um, and a lot of it's because there's just a lot of pressure and anxiety that I have from unstructured time. I'm like, who do I talk to? How does this, how is this supposed to happen? I had a neighbor just invite himself, him and his dad over yesterday on a Saturday night. All right. And probably because I was working on the sermon, I wanted to like give a good example. I allowed it. Uh, thankfully (laughs) it was only about 30, 45 minutes. And I lied about, I had dinner plans after just to make sure they weren't going to stay too long. Yes, I did. Um, but it ended up being a decent experience. Actually, well, that's a side thought. Um, I would never do that on a Saturday night. And still, I don't know why I did that. I think really it was for the sermon and the example. Um, but I just don't do that. That stuff really scares me. Like it just, I'm terrified of unstructured, random, same old conversation, boring type stuff with people. And uh, so I just don't do a lot of it. So that advice about making room for new friends um, uh, is I'm just going to tell you right now, uh, is not, uh, not something I tend to do. So for some of us, making friends is not something we feel too good at. And so even just this whole topic feels kind of overwhelming, um, particularly when people are sharing these advanced things about friendship and whatever else. Maybe you don't feel there, and if you're not there, just excuse my you know, short little tangent here for those of us who really do feel kind of terrible at making friends. Uh, so it, it feels really overwhelming. So how do we keep from being too overwhelmed, too guilted, okay, and still being productive in our making friendships? That's kind of what I want to get to in this second point. You know, not letting guilt overwhelm us, not letting, um, you know, us you know, feel guilty all the time about uh, not having enough friends, not being as good as friendships, whatever else. So I think there's two things. One is stop comparing yourself to other people, Okay. The comparison game only produces winners and losers. It won't ever teach us how to actually love the sport, to use a sports reference there. The comparison games only create winners and losers. It doesn't actually teach us to love doing what God wants us to do, and that is build friendships, connect with people. And if we're comparing ourselves to some other person or some ideal, uh, we're often not engaged in the important work of doing friendships with people wherever we're at. And if we're at, you know, can't possibly imagine our neighbors coming over, even though they invited themselves out of the blue, and that's where you're at, then just admit it uh, and be honest about it and, and work to, you know, to grow from there. Okay? But the comparison game's not going to work. Now the, the point of human friendship and relationship is about people reflecting back to each other how good God is, helping each other in tough times, sharing troubles. And we do all of that, regardless of whether people are in the the church or out of the church, we have that ability to do that with anyone and everyone. And that's really exciting stuff. That's the game, the sport, so to speak, of this whole friendship thing. It's tough, it's risky, sure. uh, But the scripture is full of examples and our lives are full of examples of us developing relationships with people, friendships out of the blue, from nowhere that have been 
you know, hugely and wildly um, pleasant endeavors, joyful endeavors. We can't think about our life apart from those friends. And so we ought to remember that uh, when we're thinking through uh, how to really kind of do this, this, you know, friendship stuff with people who uh, aren't so easy right next to us, left and right, that kind of thing. All right, so we don't compare ourselves to other people, how good they are, what we think the ideal is. We're honest and authentic with where we're at. And here's one that I think is gonna maybe surprise you a little bit. It is important that we care what others think. I grew up hearing from my parents a lot, do not care what other people think of you. And this is a really popular American individualism idea. And I think to some degree, sure, it makes sense that we don't let people run our lives, but I don't think too many of us are in any kind of... um, I don't know, a place where that's going to really happen to us. We need to remember that we should care about what other people think about us. Uh, And the reason is, and this might seem counter to what I just said about comparisons, is because a lot of time in relationships, we learn how to interact and connect with people by the things they tell back to us and say back to us. And so it is important for us to care about what people around us really think. And to me, this is one of the most important reasons for developing good friendships outside of the church is because people will often look in at some of the stuff that we think and believe and be able to say some things that are really helpful for us to think, why do we do that? Why are we that way? Because they're, they're, these kind of connections and sort of um, uh, unspoken uh, ideas that we have and those things become challenged by seeing people uh, who are pretty different uh, than us, Okay. So we, we should care what others think. To me, this is exactly what Paul is saying when he's saying he became to the Jews like the Jews and the Gentiles. It's not that he like transformed into them. It's that he let their thinking, culture, ideas, the, you know, the, the experiences they had inform how he thinks about himself. He became like them in that they were able to uh, speak back to him. So we should care what other people think about us. I was hanging out with a normal group of people that I hang out with and um, pretty worldly people, pretty anti-faith. And I have this tendency in some of the groups that I kind of hang out with is just to like sit there on my phone or computer while everyone else is sort of talking and doing their thing. And uh, it's not so great, but I don't know. It's ex- they accept it, and I get to listen to things and every now and again, you know, interact. Uh, and one of them just made some comment about, you know, what do you think, Brad, because you never talk. Uh, you're just there doing whatever it is you're doing. And uh, I, I just responded, just as sassy as I you know, normally do, oh, I'm sorry, I can't regale you with all the stories that I have about being drunk. It's been since I was 15, since I was drunk. You're all going to die young or get dementia when you're old. And uh, <laughs> their response was, see, that wasn't so hard. Uh, <laughs> but it is helpful for me to hear from them that in a lot of group settings, and I do this a lot, I'm just totally checked out, like the like 12-year-old kid on his phone. And I'm not actually just looking at entertainment. I'm doing important things. Uh, but the important things are often not relational things, okay? And um, so it's just small stuff like that that you kind of get from relationships around people, um, particularly you may not normally talk, you know, uh, like you talk. 
So yeah, the impact goes both ways. And I think that's what's important about a lot of these relationships. Too many of us think that relationships with people outside of the church are one way, one-sided. We're going to go save them from all their sins. We're going to go you know, be the only example of a good Christian they've ever had. We're going to do all of these things that are about kind of one way, one thing, you know, and not really pay much attention to how God may be working in those relationships, like he worked in the scripture, uh, where the impact goes both ways. And this is where it's kind of tricky though in terms of advice because it's hard sometimes. I always wanna hang out with some of those guys one-on-one, but it's strange for some of them to do one-on-one stuff. And that's why I think sometimes, you know, this one-on-one is how it's done, may work in the church, but it doesn't always work with making friends outside. And so sometimes we do have to do that kind of group thing, which I hate, some of you are fine with. But again, there's a balance there because when you become too uh, sort of, in with a, you know, a group, it can become sort of like your family, like a lot of people in the world do. Uh, and then you begin to pick up on habits and things like that. A lot of people ask me how I know so many people in Denton, because I do know a lot of people in Denton. It's because I've kind of been on the fringes of these various groups for as long as I've been here. Kind of insert myself here, sort of be there, you know, be there. I at any moment can go hang out or spend time with these various groups. Um, but I'm kind of always on the fringes um, looking for opportunities. Um, to, I don't know, just to spend certain time with other people. Now, I don't do a good job. That's the feedback I get all the time. Why did you miss July 4th? Why did you miss this? And now people ask, they get to know me to just sort of, uh, you know, laugh about it and say, oh, I, you know, was surprised to not see you there. The July 4th that you haven't been to in 10 years. Um, so yeah, the impact really does uh, go uh, both ways. So Proverbs 13, okay, in verse 20, uh, just says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 18, 24 says, some friendships do not last, but some friends are more loyal than brothers. Guys, when I think about starting friendships and having friendships in the community, this is kind of the mentality I go with. I'm not looking to you know, create or sustain long-term friends. Some of those people will be long-term friends. Some of them will be week-long friends, year-long friends, month-long friends, whatever the case is. I'm not trying to force or pressure anything to happen uh, that God isn't already doing. So sometimes I think we try to to make these things happen. We try to kind of have some timeline uh, for these friendships. Some will last, most don't, uh, uh, but some will actually turn into uh, really long-term relationships. Uh, Some of the ones in my life that have turned into the longest-term relationships are some of the oddest. I like my friend Richard, who I met in a homeless shelter um, now 16 years ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, you just don't expect, I think that's right. Isn't that right, Ryan? About, yeah. Uh, you just don't, you don't expect some of those things. Uh, God has a way of doing them. All right. Question and answers about this, uh, hodgepodge of a sermon I just preached in like 20 minutes. What you got? Chris, go for it. Oh, clarification. Really? Whoever needs clarification. Okay, I'll repeat. Um, yeah, I think, so when you said, like, be authentic, um, I, yeah, just clarification on, like, what that means. Yeah. Um, especially for people whose authentic selves kind of suck and are trying to not be led by that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, for instance, um, when you've got uh, someone who's doing something harmful, not so great, some of, of us as good Christians have decided to withhold judgment and not tell people what they need to hear. That's not a good Christian. That's just a bad human. Um, 
you know, if someone's drinking a lot, putting themselves into dangerous situations, uh, have unhealthy relationships, we ought to be the first to speak into those things. Not because we're holier or because we've got God on our side, but because we're, we care about them and um, we love them. And you've got to be careful with this. There's no doubt. It's, you're not sort of enforcing yourself, but there's become this weird pendulum swing back, I think, for many of us who are just like, well, they don't have the same values as us, so let's just not you know, try to kind of talk to them about it. No, what are you, that's not normal human behavior. That's the opposite. We should absolutely, you know, address those issues, talk to them. Now you earn the right to do that. And obviously if you're, you know, um, if you, I obviously earn the right to say what I said with those people and still have them as friends. Uh, and I do. Um, yeah. So I think it's, you know, being authentic and honest is about, you say, okay, this is, uh, challenging. I, I know I should say something to this person. And it's being like, I know I should say something to you right now because I don't think what you're saying is good, but I don't even know what to say. <laughs> or I'm kind of timid to tell you about it. Um, that's just being honest and authentic. Does that make more sense? Yeah, because I don't know, maybe five or 10 years ago, I heard this idea a lot. Like, you know, well, just, you know, listen, be a good listener. No, you need to say stuff. People are doing dumb stuff. You need to say something. You care about them, say something. This is for their sake, not for ours. Um, a lot of us want to grow as people, but if we just want to grow as people, apart from knowing more about God and growing for the sake of other people, that growth is not godly growth. That growth is just normal human growth. I'm going to grow, you know, I'm going to go go for it. No, we grow for the sake of knowing God, you know, caring about other people. God takes care of us along the way. Other questions about this? Yeah, sure. Um, can you give some examples on what some of the things are that we should care about what others think? Care about what others think. Yeah, I gave one example about me, but I think a lot of it's just personality stuff or how you come across to me. It, it's sort of what we talk about in the workplace, uh, that a lot of people tend to think about their workplace as a place where they're going to go either make money, evangelize people. Listen, the most important thing about an adult workplace is God shaping you and your personality and how you deal with other people. Uh, it's not about all that other stuff, even though that's important. God is shaping you. He's making you to be more like the spirit, you know, wants you to be. And he's going to do that through your interactions with other people. So a lot of people will just, you know, make comments, make feedback. Uh, and some of them are gray area things. Some of them are something someone needs from you that isn't necessarily something you uh, think you should have to give to them, but you choose that based on um, you know, uh, what it is. If someone says, you know, I, I get a lot of advice right now and a lot of direct advice from a lot of people and you're way too direct in the advice you give, sometimes I just need you to listen and they're not faking it. They actually are, you know, and I think they are. I'm not be as direct with them. I don't know. I mean, I think there's just a lot that we can pick up from uh, and hear people say about us that we need to kind of respond to uh, and not just be stuck in our ways and, you know, well, I know what's best for you kind of mentality um, to at least be willing to hear what they're saying. So I could give a lot of examples just from my own self, but um, I gave like two. Do you need more? Do you guys have some more thoughts? I think that there's this idea of like, okay, well, the script, like scripture and the truth doesn't care about your feelings. Um, I'm going to tell you the truth and I don't care about how it makes you feel. Um, I, I've heard a lot of that, I think, just in the church over the years. And I think we should care about how we make people feel. And we should care about how people feel around us and with us. Um, so I think we tell people the truth, like an example of caring what they think is like, I'm going to tell you the truth, but I'm also going to ask you, like, how, how are you feeling? Like, how, how is this coming? How are you receiving this? Because here's how I really want you to be receiving this. I care 
how this is making you feel. Um, does this feel too harsh? Does this, you know, and just being open to hearing (laughs) how I am making people feel, um, while still being honest with them, but being humble enough to hear them say like, this is just kind of hurting my feelings right now. And it's like, okay, okay, we can revisit this. Like, that's okay. But yeah, I think caring about how we make people feel is important. And that's something that the Christian church has kind of pretended is a waste of time. Any other questions? Yeah, just. What if they're just like, I hate the way my voice sounds. Um, what if they're just like, Me too. In, what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> honestly. No. <laughs> um, I like what, your voice as much as I like anybody else's voice. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> um, what if they're just like overly sensitive, like, like kind of like piggybacking off of what she said? Yeah. Um, what if they're just always like sensitive and you're like, oh my gosh, like I don't even want to talk to you because I know you're going to get pissed or whatever. Sure. Yeah. You just got to tell people. I think eventually you, you just tell them and give them good examples is just say, hey, man, it just seems like it's hard for me to talk to you about stuff because you, you seem to take it, you know, sensitive. Is there something about the way I'm presenting it? Something about how I'm saying it? that triggers your sensitivity, and then go from there. Yeah, that's right. Sterling. Yeah, so like, any ideas on a good balance between oversharing, undersharing, and then using judgment to discern who should hear what about my life? Right, yeah. Oversharing is usually, uh, it, when, you, when you shut someone else down and they've, stopped, they've ceased to stop talking, and don't, they're not really in active listening mode, Cease to stop talking. Yeah. When you're oversharing and the other person has ceased to stop talking, you're oversharing. When they're not responding back, they cease to stop talking. Oh, yeah. Ooh, tricky. They ceased to stop, stop talking. Okay? So write that down. That's clear stuff. Uh, Yeah. So when they've stopped talking, but it's not that they're not listening. And you can always say, am I sharing too much? Am I talking too much? Uh, these things are important. I think undersharing, um, you know, that's a harder one because I think a lot of that just has to do with timing and when you're, uh, you know, feel like you've earned the right to kind of say something. But when it comes to undersharing, I think there's always ways to say, you know, we have that axiom, you can always say more louder later. There's ways to, to broach topics without directly broaching them, asking questions. I will tell you, joking isn't always helpful. Uh, I do that a lot, I think kind of passive aggressive challenging people by just joking it's not it's not very helpful always sometimes it can be with a certain kind but not not usually i wouldn't say so there's ways of of doing that and then what was the last one oversharing undersharing and then who man yeah that just takes experience and takes testing it out you know the whole idea of proverbs wounds from a brother can be trusted is i'll tell you if you do it in a way that's authentic and you're ready to apologize uh, you know, it goes a long way for someone trusting you the next time you mess up versus when you mess up and you double down um, and just aren't willing to, you know, figure out how it impacted the other person. You're just sort of like seeing it from your own viewpoint. I think he's asking, like, how do you determine if someone is dangerous to share more with like, how do you register, like, how do you register, like, how do you register myself with this person? Mm. I don't, I don't really Got it. <laughs> Well, I don't understand what you're saying, to be honest. Thankfully, that was on the recording. Well, My, that part wasn't. I do understand. 
Um, yeah, the, the sh- oversharing, undersharing stuff, man, that's, that's interesting question. I think that if someone is going to be, to use Paul's examples of, you know, eating meat, sacrificed idols and stuff like that. If someone's going to be, take your example and that's going to somehow license them to sin or do something um, that they wouldn't otherwise do because they looked up to you and say, hey, this person did it. That means I can do it. That's one way to know about what to share with. The second thing is if, you know, if people aren't that good with having anything to offer back in the way of advice or helpful, they're, they're dismissive, and you've actually tried to talk to them about it, you know, don't throw your pearls to those pigs. You know, that's another one. Um, and I'd say the third one probably is that if uh, someone is constantly um, quick to, to give advice without really thinking or um, hearing what you're saying, they just kind of want to fix stuff. That's another pearls to pigs kind of kind of thing. And again, all these things are, are growing things. You can tell people about it and then move from there. But if they're unwilling to change, then it's important, you know, not to just throw that out. So there, I think that kind of answered it. My Good. turn. Yeah, got it. What are some ways? Oh, this sounds so loud. Um, I know every relationship's really different, and you can't just say this is exactly how I share the gospel with my friends outside of the church. But what are some ways that you've found that people have been either really receptive or you've I know that sharing the gospel isn't always comfortable, but what are some helpful ways that you've shared the gospel with yeah. those people? So here's where joking is helpful in our day and age, particularly if people are pretty opposed to faith. I joke a lot about you know, Christianity and sort of self-deprecating jokes and things. That's just kind of fun. And they send me really, you know, sacrilegious memes. And, um, you know, as long as they're not like like mean-spirited, like out of bounds, they're actually kind of like funny. I had one that was pretty out of bounds and I was like, yeah, how do you think that makes me feel? Like, that's what I believe. Anyway, um, joking is fun. I do. I like that. I mean, I just have a lot of those relationships. I think for most people, maybe that that's not as normal or easy. Um, I ask people a lot just in terms of their uh, relationships, you know, with the church, with religion. Uh, Ask a lot of questions like, what if this? What if that? Um, Could you ever see yourself being a Christian? Um, You know, I just have a lot of questions over the years. I just kind of ask and talk to people about. I think what's so hard about um, the idea of sharing the gospel with people is most people have heard it um, in some form or fashion. So you kind of have to like um, deconstruct the wrong parts of what they've heard and reconstruct what's sort of true about the gospel. And then, of course, they have a lot of experiences wrapped up in it. Uh, Francis Schaeffer, who talks a lot about this and just talks about people's ideologies or worldviews being a shelter. And if you don't, it's kind of a rickety shelter. And if you don't, you know, do just as much at, at dismantling the shelter as you do helping them rebuild, you can't just help them rebuild on top of their dismantled shelter. You've got to dis on top of their rickety shelter. You've got to do a little bit of dismantling and a little bit of rebuilding kind of at the same time. That sounds really great, but it's like, how do you do that? And so when I'm dismantling something, um, I'm not very tactful, so a lot of times I say, do you really think that's like, a, like right or true? Because it sounds kind of like a stupid idea. Um, or do you actually live that out, you know? But I just have a lot of direct relationships with people. I mean, you, know, you, you guys know me. I mean, can you imagine people being friends with me? Like they, it's, I'm me, I'm the same, you know? So I can, do, I can get away with that kind of stuff. You can't maybe, so um, you kind of <laughs> got to talk like you talk. <laughs> Uh, but I think the dismantling thing is helpful because you are trying to kind of challenge back some of their deals. So I remember once asking a guy, you know, okay, so let me, you know, tell you what I think the stupidest idea 
about your belief systems are, and you tell me what you think the stupidest ideas about mine are. And that led to a decent conversation. We laughed a lot. Yeah, Nathaniel. Um, in your second point, you said that one of the main things you were trying to drive home is not allowing guilt to, I guess, be our motivation to make friends. Yeah. Could you kind of flush that out a little bit more? Yeah, sure. I mean, when we make friends out of guilt, it becomes projects and and numbers, and we think, oh, gosh, I've got to, like, talk to this person, and I'm sitting on the plane, I've got to walk through this guy's marriage with him, and it just becomes this sort of, like, nonstop, I'm only valuable if I'm at work for God, um, rather than a sort of deep motivation of um, I'm doing this because I'm going to reflect God to this person, and I'm doing it in my capability and in my competency and kind of where I'm at. Um, yeah, so at Thanksgiving, I mean, I just, I cooked for two days, or well, a day and a half straight. I was annoyed that um, we, I had to drive all that food to the to Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving was just like all over the place. I felt like I had to like coordinate stuff. And then for my mom to have like a random lady there who talked the whole time about her problems and her husband and her kids, I was just, I just couldn't get out of, I was just really upset. And all I could do is just sit on the couch and play with the grandkids, which I love, uh, grandkids, well, yeah, they're not my grandkids, play with my ne niece and nephew. Um, I just did, I mean, I don't know, I couldn't, I couldn't, but I did care still. And I had this like deep desire to want to do something. And that's why I got married, because Chelsea stepped in <laughs> and, uh, you know, took care of things where I couldn't. Uh, so that was great. And, you know, she did her work because she had just been sitting around for a couple of days doing nothing, watching TV. Just kidding. I slept two days in a row, 12 plus hours. So read up. That's the last one because y'all ask more questions in my sermon. You mentioned that you have a lot of friends who aren't believers. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I do too. And I don't share the gospel with them anymore. Like, and I don't know if that's right or wrong. Like I, I know they don't believe and I don't think I'm going to be the one to bring them to Christ. Sure. And so our friendship goes on without Christ um, being in the conversation constantly. Sure. And so like what, what if we're called to evangelize and like share the gospel out, is that okay? You know, to like, at some point be like, yeah, it's not me. And we don't have to talk. I don't, I don't want to talk about God with you because you don't want to talk about God. Yeah. Right. It's sort of like the, yeah, you know, we're all here to sort of tr trick people into having conversations. And unless your conversation isn't constantly about spirituality or about Christianity, it's not like a true friendship. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think um, when people know sort of where you're at and it's clear and know they can talk to you about it and know that you're not going to keep it away when you've got something on your mind or something that's just uh, an experience you've, you've had, you're not going to kind of hide it but they're at a place where they're no longer interested in hearing and talking about the gospel. I don't understand the point of forcing that. Um, you can do more damage um, than, you know, if, you, if that's constantly who you are, you're the one trick pony that always has to bring up Christianity in conversations. Um, but I do think over the long haul, in terms of long-term friendships, it is important to kind of do constant check-ins, whether that's, you know, a conversation every year or what, where you kind of just ask and pry a little bit, you know, because that's a part of your life. So that's a balance, man. That's just really hard. But I don't think all friendships have to have constant, you know, talks about Christianity. We can very much be friends with people and, you know, some close friends without them, uh, you know, doing that. And one of the things that I think is really helpful in this is there's a book called I Once Was Lost by Evers and Shop, maybe. It talks about these transitional stages. 
and that a lot of people don't get past these certain transitional stages, uh, and there's not anything we can do to force that. We can ask good questions, we can kind of walk with them, uh, but too many of us, um, yeah, I don't know. We've just kind of, um, we've either not let you know any sort of influence in our relationships of Christianity. We don't talk about it, we're just, it's gone completely, or it's kind of like all we do uh, in terms of feeling like we can't have friendships unless we talk constantly about spiritual things. So that's not always helpful. I think that's something you've got to kind of decide on your own. Um, but I'd be careful to say you're not the person to do that with them. That would be me, because who knows what's happening there? Uh, and who knows if they have anybody else? But if you, you, you know, do the whole planting and watering thing, as Paul talks about, kind of know your role, I think that's, uh, that can be very helpful. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be done. Would God give us wisdom and guidance as we talk about this topic, a topic that brings up a lot of guilt for us, uh, for some reason, and um, just kind of makes us feel like we aren't um, doing what you want us to do. Help us to know how to talk uh, about you, about your kingdom, about the things uh, that we've learned from Jesus in our conversations, not just with friends outside the church, but friends inside the church, to just know what that balance is and be able to encourage people to take the things that we've learned and be able to give you credit for them give you glory. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just care for people like you cared for them. Amen. What's up? Wow, that's loud. Okay, it's time to use your brain for a little longer to take notes, think about the things we're talking about, ways you can be involved in our community, things you need to make sure you don't miss out on. So the first one is just thanks, Brad. It's here for Brad. Out with a bang. Um, so the pastoral cohort interest, what's up? Oh, nice. Yeah, we should use that more often, honestly. Like SNL or any of the talk shows, or whatever. Just like tell the audience what to do. We sometimes need that, I think. Worship. Let's just put that in asterisks. You know, worship. All right. Um, so the pastoral cohort interest meeting is, that'd be next Sunday after church, they haven't told me a different location, so we're just going to keep on saying Armadillo, okay? After church at Armadillo. If you're interested in any information about what the pastoral cohort is, that is the meeting you do not want to miss. You get to ask some questions, just hear from the experience of our current pastoral cohorts, Sammy, Ricardo, Devin, and Garvin, and um, also just hear information about what it is. The basic bare bones of it is if you want to learn about how to do adult church ministry, be involved in that, that's a great thing to do. So basically, it's a class mixed with some practical assignments and stuff like that. And it's a semester by semester deal. And if you want to know more, you got to go to the meeting. So don't miss that next Sunday after church at Armadillo. Also, that same group, the cohort is doing the mission and values survey. Uh, 13 of you guys have done this survey. I don't know if you've looked around, but even on our lightest Sundays, we have more than 13 people <laughs> here at our church. DentonRoadChurch.com slash mission survey. That's a way to let the cohort know where we're at, how we each feel we are doing personally with the mission of our church and also as a group together, as a community together. It's super easy, super quick uh, survey. It takes you about five seconds or so, maybe four, um, maybe six, just depends on how fast you are typing. DentonNorthChurch.com slash mission survey. 
please do that. They're going to get all that together. It'd be really helpful. They're going to walk us through those results and just see, take a temperature of how we feel like our church is doing, not just on the collective level, but also individual level. So pretty cool deal. All right. Don't miss that. And then the ladies ornament exchange is happening this next Saturday, right? Leslie. Okay, sweet. So talk to Leslie if you need any details or information about that. But basically it's at Leslie's house, 11 a.m. on Saturday, next Saturday. You got to bring a friend. You got to bring a snack. And you got to bring a little Christmas ornament or decoration kind of thing and to exchange with the other people there. So that's why it's called that. Um, Chelsea looks a little confused. It's something. Okay, sweet. I was like, did I miss something super important on that? Okay. Oh yeah, and under $10. So just a little thing, nothing crazy. But it's always a really fun event. They've done it for years. So don't miss that out. I'm going to miss out on that. And the guys, we don't have an equivalent event. We got to figure that out. So TBD, if anyone has any ideas, let me know. Um, and then the last thing is the prayer meeting, the shepherd's prayer meeting. The last one for this semester is going to be next Monday. Not this upcoming Monday, but next Monday, whatever. It should be the 6th, I think. Um, at 7 p.m. at the Rose House. That's a really cool event. And every time I've gotten to go, I've really enjoyed it. It's worth the time to go and just get to pray together. We get to both pray about things just in our community, practical requests people have sent in, and also just the direction of our church and different things about our, the city of Denton, um, just the people we're trying to reach. So it's a really cool deal. It's very simple, just getting together and praying together. So if you have a prayer request you'd like to submit, you can do that at dentonnorthchurch.com slash prayer. You can also, you can, that can be an anonymous request if you'd like. You can do it however you want, but we want to know the things that we can all pray for together as a church. And also we want to have people there uh, to pray together. That's the whole point. So we've really enjoyed, you know, Kurt and Don have put a lot of work into just make sure that happens every month. And it's been a super cool thing to think that that was a thing that wasn't part of our church sort of schedule before is kind of crazy for me now. So the fact that they've, it's just a really cool thing to actually spend time praying together. So please don't miss out on that. If you can make it every few times, please, please come. A lot of times it's the same group. And that's not bad, but you know, we all should be wanting to pray for stuff like that. So, um, and it doesn't go on forever. It's not like a, we're having a six hour prayer thon or something like that. So it's just an hour, you know, you know, how we do it. We don't do things very long like that. And then the shirts. So a couple of things. One, if you haven't picked up your shirt, you got to talk to me after church. There's a couple of extras. If you want to buy one. A few people have told me that the little pocket guy, uh, when they've dried him has started to flake a little bit. That's sad and not good. So we're going to try to figure that out on the talk of the people who printed the shirts and stuff like that. But in the meantime, if you have your shirt, maybe dry it on like a lower heat setting or hang dry it for now. And we will let you know other details if we can get them just to replace them or something like that. We'll let y'all know. But for now, protect the little pocket guy, you know, keep him safe. He's just our little guy. Yeah, we got to watch out for him. Right? Yeah, he's our neighbor. You know, he's just kind of waving. And then he, we put him in the dryer and the heat and he flakes away and stuff like that. That's mean. That's a, we, we're not that kind of church. So sorry. Okay. I'm going to pray real quick and um, then we'll get going. Um, Lord, thank you for just the chance to uh, come together and just um, also this past week to uh, take some time out of our week to give thanks to you for all you've done in our lives. Lord, thank you for each of us here uh, being here because of somebody else. You've worked through somebody um, to reach us, to help us grow. And Lord, thanks so much for this community. Thank you for Brad and for working through him for years here in this, our church and our community in Denton. And Lord, just thanks for, um, for giving us him and for the many hours and, and, um, work and effort he's put in and also just for leading our church really well. And 
uh, Lord, we just, uh, there's so much to be thankful for. And uh, God, I just pray that you'd help us to, to keep that posture of thankfulness, not just one week out of the year or whatever, but to constantly have that, that approach and that, that relationship with you. We're thankful for all the things you give us that we do not deserve. Lord, you're so good to us. Um, help us just to uh, overflow with thankfulness that it's obvious to others as well. And just to uh, always point people back to you in whatever way that looks like. Um, Lord, you're so good. Thank you so much. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.